0: This is Solving Problems and Starting New Ones, the show that tries to be an incubator of great ideas and a place to challenge popular wisdom. I'm Nick, and today, we're going to start our series on the education system and introduce a new segment called Why Your State Sucks, featuring California. And you'll get all this from the guy on the street, Chris Back But before we begin, make sure you hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening to this, and make sure the notifications are turned on so you know when new episodes are coming out. And, like our Facebook page, so we look cool. Alright everyone, welcome to Season 2 of Solving Problems and Starting New Ones. Hopefully this season will be better than last season. I mean, that's not really a challenge, but anyway. And, I gotta apologize for the delay between episodes. Our season finale took a little longer than planned to edit and put together. If you haven't checked it out, go on over to YouTube, search for Solving Problems and Starting New Ones Season Finale. That's youtube.com. And before we begin, we got to start our countdown to the presidential race of 2020. Every episode will have updates for you so you don't have to waste your time looking it up yourself. Focusing on the Democratic side, there are 12 presidential candidates as of this recording. Bennett, Delaney, Gabbard, Deval Patrick, Andrew Yang have no chance at all. So don't worry about them. They'll mostly be gone by February 4th. Bloomberg, he's just there walking. He's just a walking, talking advertisement for his own business. Amy Klobuchar, who looks like your favorite aunt, is just there for the bake sale. Tom Steyer, who owns about half the Democratic Party, is just there to check on his investments. So that leaves us with with, uh, four actual candidates. Pete Buttigieg, Elizabeth Warren, and two dead people. Yes, they are dead. They use old footage to make it look like they're still alive. But don't worry, if a dead man, who is also a self-proclaimed pimp, can win an election in Nevada, Surely a dead man or woman can win the presidential race. Seriously, look it up. His name is Dennis Hoff, H-O-F. He was a pimp, he died, and he still won the election. This has been your 2020 Presidential Update. Okay, let's start out with something we'll be focusing on a lot this season and talk about our education system. This is Chapter 1, Drugging the Children. Over the last two decades or so, you've heard the terms attention deficit disorder or ADD or ADHD. You hear it pop up when it comes to school kids. To lessen the problems, kids are prescribed Ritalin, Adderall, you know, drugs to kids. The types of drugs that are known to destroy the motivational center of the brain. Now, don't get me wrong, there are some kids who need help. About 30 years ago, prescribed medication for kids was in the thousands. Now it's in the millions. Now is this a bad thing? If kids are able to concentrate more and they're not disrupting the class, is that a good thing? Or are we missing a deeper issue? It wasn't always like this, so what changed? Is it the curriculum? Kindergarten to me was more about finger painting, learning about the holidays, and listening to stories. Now that's changed. In most American schools, the expectation is for five-year-olds to sit still, read, and write, something most five-year-olds have a tough time doing, particularly boys who are prescribed the most drugs and it seems like such a small change normally reading and writing is taught in first grade. And for some kids that's okay but apparently for millions of others not so much. If you think about it for more than a second you can easily understand how tough it is to have 20 kids sitting still staring at a book and being quiet. There are full-grown adults that never shut up. So should we expect more from a five-year-old? Is it appropriate? Is it okay that An overworked teacher will suggest to a parent to have their kids evaluated because they don't have the time to spend with a child who may learn a little differently or maybe the curriculum may be a little too advanced for them so a child psychologist would know all this but why are they the ones prescribing the drugs and i have led
1: workshops for the child psychiatrists and they have said look if this kid comes in and i give him the medication Everybody's happy. He, He sits still. Teachers happy. Parents happy. Everybody's happy. If I say, look, the problem here is not so much with the child, but with the school, the school is doing it wrong. They shouldn't expect five year old boys to sit still and be quiet for an hour at a time. I'm going to get in trouble. The principal is going to contact uh, our medical director and say that I'm bad-mouthing the school. I'm going to get bad comments. The parents were coming in expecting a medication, and I didn't give them one. I'm going to get bad reviews on Yelp and on Google. You know what? I'll write the prescription. Everybody's happy. If I don't write the prescription, everybody gets in trouble.
0: And this leads to another finding that points out that there are more kids diagnosed with attention deficit disorder in this country than any other country. This is the only country in the world that prescribes drugs to children as freely as we do. Any other country would treat medication as a last resort. But here, it's a first resort. We've gone from 1% of the high school kids diagnosed with attention deficit disorder in the 70s to 20% of high school kids today. Do you think giving amphetamines to a child that doesn't need it isn't going to have a negative effect? It's going to numb them. It's going to kill their motivation. We're allowing a generation of kids to fail. Where is the government approved researchers to look into this? I said, if there was any truth to what I'm
1: saying, you'd have heard this before. From a more authoritative source than Leonard Sachs, a family doctor, you'd have heard this from someone like Dr. Joseph Biederman, uh, chief of... Research in pediatric psychiatry at Harvard Medical School, and of course, Dad didn't know how I was going with this. And I said, you know, the same thought occurred to Senator Charles Grassley, United States Senate Judiciary Committee, who summoned Dr. Biederman to the United States Senate and said, Dr. Biederman, you've really been pushing Adderall hard. You have said that if a parent, uh, if a doctor prescribes Adderall for a child, and the parent does not promptly fill and administer that medication. Dr. Biederman, you've said that parents should be considered for charges of criminal child neglect. Uh, Dr. Biederman, are you by any chance taking money from the drug companies that you've never publicly disclosed? But it turns out he was, uh, more than $1.6 million, according to his count. That count was never independently verified, uh, which is fine. He didn't break any law. Uh, a doctor can accept as much money as he wants to for the drug companies and he's not breaking any law in the United States. But his action was unethical. He should have told us.
0: And according to the New York Times, this doctor and researcher, Dr. Pieneman, and many others like him, take money from the pharmaceutical companies, effectively turning them into paid sponsors. And for the record, he still has his job. And when questioned on why he didn't mention to anyone that he was taking money from the pharmaceutical companies, he said, why would I? It's standard practice. So how do we fix all this? Stop giving drugs to kids. All we're doing is setting up a life of dependency for these kids. And maybe parents need to cut out the soda and the candy and the sugar shit from the kids' lives. Maybe stop jamming an iPhone screen directly in front of their face. Maybe they'll be able to concentrate more. Maybe they won't be a fat, drug-addicted pig all right let's move on to our next segment why your state sucks featuring California so what's the biggest problems facing California let's start with the forest fires which have cost 11.5 billion dollars last year which sounds like a lot but that's like the cost of two homes in Beverly Hills maybe people need to stop building expensive things near areas that are prone to burn I don't know I'm not an insurance guy maybe nature doesn't want you there Or maybe we need to look into what's causing these fires to spread like this. So the first question is, was it always like this? If you look at a graph about wildfires from the last 40 years, between 1980 to 2000, the average amount of wildfires would take out about 3 million acres of land. In the last 20 years, the average has doubled. So the detective in me tells me something happened around the year 2000. So what changed? Was it climate change? No, that's just an excuse a lot of politicians use to dodge responsibility. The blame falls on a few things. The fact that there are more trees today than there were 100 years ago is one cause. If you look at old pictures of the landscape from a century ago, you would notice a lot of patchy areas, just simply no trees. But as time goes on, these areas filled out. So now you have larger areas of trees and trees invading each other's safe spaces. So if there's a fire, it's going to burn for miles. Now after that, you take away California's logging industry where they would cut down trees, clean up the brush, plant more trees, repeat. Now, without an industry to clean up dead branches, leaves, and trees, it's just overloaded with kindling. And last thing is shit policies that refuse to create fire breaks and more roads that would contain the fires. And more roads would result in less deaths. What happens is, in these rural areas where the fires start, there's typically one road that would take you out to safety. Unfortunately, if that road is engulfed in flames and there's no other way to go, well, that's how you end up with preventable deaths. So how do we fix this? Create controlled fire or have a logging company come in and create patchy areas in the forest? Also build a few more roads that will help keep people alive and create fire breaks. This ain't rocket science people. So why else does California suck? Let's talk about the homeless. California is 12 percent of the US population and has 25% of the country's homeless population. San Francisco and LA combined have a homeless problem of over 100,000 people. One of the reasons for that, they say, is because of the housing crisis. But how do those kind-hearted people of San Francisco feel when asked about something like, how would you feel about building more places to live? Will they try and stop that?
1: I would hate it. I would hate it. I think it'd be really congested. Where will people live? I'm not sure. You're a builder, go build stuff. Let me build. John Dennis has been trying to replace this grimy old building. This has been a defunct meatpacking plant. It's been empty for at least 15 years. He wants to turn this into this, which would house 60 people. But it's taken four years just to get permission to build. And all that time we're paying property taxes and we're paying for maintenance of the building. People in San Francisco often claim to be all about helping the poor but their policies make life tougher for the poor. What's your next project in San Francisco? No more projects in
0: San Francisco. I'm done, I'll never do another project here. Well, let's be honest, how bad could it be?
1: There's more feces on the sidewalks than I've ever seen, you know, growing up here. That was something that did not, wasn't the norm. Than you've um, ever
0: seen? Than I've ever seen, for sure. We surveyed 153 blocks of downtown San Francisco. We spent three days walking up and down every street, inspecting more than 20 miles of the city. We found trash on every block, 303 piles of feces, and 100 needles. Ah, that's pretty bad. So, how did the Golden State turn into this? A state where people went to get rich. Well, we gotta play detective again. Was it always like this? Not exactly. There's always been a skid row in certain smaller areas of homeless places, but never to this extreme. The signs are pointing to yet again bad policy.
1: Tracy McCrae is a lieutenant in the San Francisco Police Department. If I went into a store and stole a
0: PlayStation, what would happen? Uh, if it's under nine hundred fifty dollars, you get a get a citation. If I smoke crack on the street, what would happen? Citation. If I exposed myself in a public park, what would happen? Oh uh, no, citation. If I camped on a sidewalk, what would happen? Uh, warning. Maybe a citation. If I broke somebody's car window, what would happen? Again, under $950, uh, citation. If I stole somebody's wallet or purse, what would happen? Uh, no force or fear used. use, you just took it, and, and it be caught you, citation. pimp to prostitute, what would happen? Yeah, no, nothing. If I was carrying an illegal firearm, what would happen? Um, Discharged, pending further review, you'd be back out on the street. Apparently, when you let people do drugs and shit in public without any sort of deterrence, people don't disappoint. And as I do the research for the show, I see people think this is okay. It's okay to have homeless people living on the streets in these conditions. They say these folks should not be forced to get help. They should not be forced to get treatment for mental illness or have to go to rehab. Well, here's the truth. Nobody is living on the streets of L.A. Nobody is living on the streets in San Francisco. They are dying on those streets. Meanwhile, in the next couple of years in California, you are only going to be allowed to use a certain amount of water a day by law. If you take more than five minutes in the shower and do the laundry in the same day, you're looking at a $1,000 fine. But you can shit and shoot heroin in front of the police and a family of five and nothing will happen to you. If you step and shit and want to wash it off, you know, through, I don't know, a plastic straw, you could be fined. This is what happens when you treat progressive movements, and some are good, lower health care, cheaper colleges, and turn it into progressive ideology. Then it becomes a religion where God can do no wrong. And you allow and make excuses for these shitty policy commandments that go through. You see this on the conservative side too, making excuses for bad behavior. You know the difference between right and wrong. We allow ourselves to be binded to our groups and suddenly go blind when we know someone in our group is going against basic morality. We need to do a better job of calling out bullshit wherever it comes from. Get the homeless into rehab facilities, allow the police to do their jobs, and vote for a new mayor or governor or something. It's only going to get worse.
1: A transient with
0: schizophrenia
1: and psychotic disorders dumped feces all over her. A bucket of his diarrhea. It was liquid, hot liquid. I was soaked and I couldn't see it was coming off of my eyelashes into my eyes. Paramedics rushed her to the hospital and she now needs to be tested for infectious diseases
0: every three months. See? All right, folks, that's all I got for you today. We'll be back next month. This was Solving Problems. And starting new ones, gotta go.